And when you go on the other side, and it's just so different. It's so beautiful. It's so so full of love. You feel like you're home, that you belong. My entire life, I felt like I've always had to try to fit in somewhere, and I never did. <laughs> My guest today is Christine Harrington, who had a near-death experience after dying during childbirth. Christine, welcome, and thank you so much for coming on the show to tell your story. Well, thank you for having me, Rod. It's a real pleasure. So what I'd like to do is start by, if you could give us a little bit of background about your life before you had your near-death experience. Okay. So I was born and raised Catholic, and that's significant for my near-death experience. But like many do, <laughs> once we reach adulthood, we kind of veer away from the Catholic Church, and that's exactly what I did. And I found myself pregnant again. I had two prior abortions, and outside of the Catholic faith, living in sin. I was living with my son's father and the pregnancy was not going well. Anyhow, it was a very difficult pregnancy. And I was 37 years old when this happened. And I was in my mid thirties when I had the other two abortions as well. So I went into labor and I had repeatedly told my doctor, Rod, all through this pregnancy, that I felt like I wasn't going to deliver the baby naturally. And uh, I think he kind of took me as I just wanted a C-section and get it over with. But there was something inside of me that I just felt like I was not going to deliver this baby. He was a 13-pound baby when he was delivered. Ooh. So uh, that was part of the reason why the labor was so difficult. And after 27 and a half hours of labor, my baby was stuck in the birth canal and they were losing his heartbeat. It was getting fainter and fainter. And plus I was exhausted. So they decided to do an emergency C-section. Now, from the time I was wheeled into the operating room to do the C-section, and when the near-death experience happened, I don't know what that time frame is, but there was an orderly that wheeled me in. There was only an anesthesiologist was there at the time and covered my mouth and said, count back from 10. And then I was out. Well, again, I don't know what the time frame was, but the next thing I knew, I was hovering above myself at the top ceiling of the operating room. And I'm watching this scene on display before me. Nurses were frantically running in and out. There were two doctors in there working on me. And I had the awareness that, okay, I'm floating above myself. Something has gone wrong. And then all of a sudden it went totally dark, like black, like I have never seen before. Black where I'm trying to see my hands, I'm trying to see my feet, 
I'm trying to figure out what's going on, where am I? And then I realize I must be dead. So the black was undescribable. I know some near-death experiencers have said that they were in a dark tunnel, a black tunnel. This just felt like a black void. So when you're on the other side, you still think like yourself. You still have your same personality. You're still you. You just don't have a body. And I had the thought, I must be dead. I must be in hell because I had never confessed my sins of abortion. Being a Catholic, I was not back in the faith. So all I kept thinking was, I must be in hell because of the abortions and because of living in sin, all the sins I had created, had made. And so I cried out to God, oh God, please don't let me be in hell and or something like that. I cried out to God. And then when I did that, I saw this little teeny tiny white light in the distance. And so I knew I was moving towards that white light. I don't remember, Rod, if it was fast or slow. I just remember moving towards the white light. And the closer I got to the white light, the more the fear and the anxiety and the stress just started leaving me. And once I got into the area, into, I wasn't completely in the white light. It was like black that moved into gray that moved into white. And when I was in that half gray, half white light, that's when I realized that I was in the presence of God. I realized that this white light was God. And I had no more physical pain in my body, no more anxiety, no more guilt, no more shame. I just felt this incredible acceptance, unconditional love. It's just so hard to explain because there are no words to capture what it's like to be in that white light of God. It's unexplainable. And I'm looking directly into the light, but it's like, I don't know if I have eyes. I mean, I don't know if I have eyes. <laughs> and I'm looking into the light and it's not burning my eyes, but I felt the warmth of God's light and love all through me. It was just so comforting to feel that warmth all through me. There were two beings next to me, but I don't know what they looked like. I don't remember seeing them. I just knew they were there. And they told me that I could stay or I could leave. And the choice was up to me. And here you are on the other side and you still have free will. That was what was so amazing to me. You still have free will. You're still who you are. You still have your personality. You still have your memories. You still have your thoughts. You're you. You're you without a body. 
And here these beings were telling me it was my choice. And honestly, Rod, it was a hard choice. I had never felt in my life the kind of love and acceptance, no judgment, none of that. I had never felt that in my entire life on earth. And I kept going back and forth. I wanted to stay with all the fiber of my being. I wanted to stay, but I felt like I couldn't leave my son. So I asked, well, if I stay, what would happen to my son? And they said that he would be okay. But knowing that, I didn't feel right abandoning him. So I hem-hawed around. I don't know, again, I don't know what this time frame was at all. There were some things I don't remember. I have gotten snippets of it now and then, this beautiful metal with colors you can't imagine, a snippet of a person that I might have thought was Jesus, but I don't know. And I wonder if some of that will come back over time. But the, the Catholic side in me thought that this gray area I was in was purgatory because it seemed like I wasn't allowed to step into the white light totally. Um, I was just on the outskirts of heaven. <laughs> but I, I have said before on other interviews, it's a pretty simple near-death experience. And that kind of sounds ungrateful. I'm not being ungrateful. It's just that it was a very simple near-death experience that, I mean, it's like it happened yesterday, Rod. The only difference is the feeling of that love from God has faded over the years because it was 30 years ago. It'll be 30, 31 years, June 13th, 1992. That's when my son was born. So there's a part of me that tries to hang on to that feeling, but it went away. So they finally said to me, you have to make a decision, either stay or go back. And I said, well, I have to go back. I have to be with my son. I can't leave him. So when I went back, I find out when I wake up in the hospital bed, I'm thinking I just delivered a baby. Well, I find out it's four days later. My mother swears up and down I was in a coma. And all I can say is when I woke up, it felt like because you're so expanded on the other side. You're just not confined to this body. So you're so expanded on the other side that when I came back into my body, it was like trying to squeeze a huge balloon into a bottleneck. And it was painful. And I realized when I woke up, I knew exactly what had happened. I knew I was back in my body now. And it felt tight and confined, if that makes sense. So my mother and father was there. My dad was sitting in a chair watching basketball. And I woke up watching Michael Jordan dunk a basket in the NBA playoffs. <laughs> that was the first thing I saw when I woke up. And, and my mother told a nurse, she's awake, she's awake. 
And the nurse was the one that told me that we had both died and they had resuscitated both of us. So that's in a nutshell the story. I can see how that still affects you 30 years later. So I really appreciate you having the bravery to bring back those events to the forefront of your mind. But so I have a couple miracle, Rod. I should say this before. Sure. I really do see that NDE as a miracle. But there was another miracle, and that is the next day, the neonatal surgeon came in to me and said, your son has a 50-50% chance of living. Would you want us to call a minister? And I said, yes. And of course, since I wasn't a practicing Catholic at the time, I did not want to ask them to call a priest, or I didn't even think about call a priest. And so another minister came in. And we prayed, and here I had this near-death experience, and I'm bargaining with God. It's like, what an idiot I am. <laughs> and I'm going, if you'll just save my son, God, if you just heal him, I will raise him to know you. And I know the beans on the other side said he will be okay. And But reality, you're back in reality so you're back in an earth environment and you right away, you just start thinking like you're not a spiritual being, you're a human being and you're a spiritual being first is what I learned. So yeah. the minister came and prayed. And then the next day, the neonatal surgeon said to me, came to my room and said, we do not know what happened, but there's nothing wrong with him. He's off the ventilator. There's nothing wrong with him. And they kept him for two to three weeks. I can't remember how long he was there doing tests to make sure he was okay before they released him. Amazing. Did your son have any, I guess he was only a newborn, but I've seen other interviews of people who have recollections of this kind of thing. Does your son have any memories or anything that's come up for him as time has gone by of those events at all? No. And matter of fact, he did not believe my near-death experience. He did not want to believe it. He thought that it's just, you died, Ma. There's chemicals in the brain. That's all it was. Until he had his son, my grandson, March 7th. And he saw how fragile life can be during birth. And he came to me and said that, that he believed me and that he believed that I did have a near-death experience. So it, it took that for him to come back around and believe me. And as you probably know from interviewing other near-death experiencers, it's a lonely story because your family, your friends, they don't want to believe it. They don't want to believe you. Even my own priest, when I went back to the Catholic Church, said it must have been my imagination. And that was, in his mind, the end of the story. It wasn't for mine. But I was in such a survival mode after he was born because his father was very abusive. And I knew I had to leave his father. And honestly, Rod, all I did was suppress much as I wanted to live in those feelings, I just suppressed the near-death experience because I had to find a way to get my son 
home healthy, well, and out of that environment with his father. So over the years, I kept suppressing it and suppressing it. You mentioned just briefly the meadow and another figure who you thought may have been Jesus, which the meadow is a pretty common thing I've heard with other NDEs. Is any more of that become clearer over time? No, it's just like a snippet that happens. What I try to do is when I'm praying, I try to quiet my mind and just go back to the near-death experience and just stand in the presence of God with that white light just coming over me and feeling that warmth. I try to do that daily in order, I guess that's my connection to God as well. I've had another guest say that that light and that feeling of love that comes from that light was almost too overwhelming for him. And it's something that he really missed once he was back in his body. Have you had a similar experience to that? Well, it's hard here, Rod. Life here is hard. And when you go on the other side, and it's just so different. It's so beautiful. It's so so full of love. You feel like you're home, that you belong. My entire life, I felt like I've always had to try to fit in somewhere, and I never did. <laughs> so I've always kind of forged my own path because I just felt like I never fit in with anything. And when you're on the other side, you just feel like you're finally home, and everybody gets you, and, and you're totally accepted by God. Um, the overwhelming part for me was knowing how much of a sinner I was, and it, it didn't matter to God. It didn't matter. It didn't matter that I had killed two of my children through abortion. It didn't matter to him. Christina, I think you're very brave, and I want you to know it doesn't matter to me either, and it doesn't matter to the community of people that I'm trying to build here. I appreciate that, Rod, but as a woman and a mother, I have often asked myself, how could I have done that to my own children? And that guilt and shame will never go away because it's a hole that's left in you about that choice. And when I finally told my son about the abortions, his comment to me was, you mean I didn't have to grow up alone? And the truth of the matter is I didn't have the courage to raise them on my own. And I, when I got pregnant with my son, I decided I have to do this. I, I have to do this. And when I die, the Catholic Church says I should have went to hell. Has the that's no, that's okay. I, I think you're extremely brave to be willing to be so vulnerable. So I really appreciate that. And I think that, at least from my limited experience talking to other NDEs, that we're all eternal souls, right? We, we all have some sort of basic plan for our life. We all have this free will, but there's this plan that we work out before we come here. So I don't know if it's any comfort, but I, I like to think that even babies who, who are aborted for whatever reason, that's part of their plan as well. Perhaps the reason for that was because of the impact it would have on you and how your life evolved, and that was really the only purpose for their brief existence. I believe they're in heaven. I, I believe that their little souls are in heaven. 
Yeah. I'm not a Catholic myself, but how has your relationship to your Catholic faith been affected by your NDE? And if you've been able to sort of reconcile the two, because I know there's a lot of things that occur during NDEs that don't match up with Catholic teachings. Yeah, that was another thing that was hard for me to talk about the NDE, because I know that I felt like it was in direct conflict to the Catholic Church. And I know that some people that were religious and brought up religious left their faith after their NDEs. I didn't want to do that because I love the faith. I love going to Mass. I love receiving Jesus through the Eucharist. That's important to me because I feel close to God when I'm at Mass. So I was trying to find ways to bring the two together. And I did find some resources with Father Spitzer, who is a scientist and a priest. And of course, the Catholic Church is really rooted in science. But with that said, there's a lot of misunderstandings, misinterpretations of the Bible. There are in every religion. It's just not Catholics. It's with every religion. And I recently talked to Father Nathan Castle. He was on my program, the Eternal Life Plan YouTube channel that I have. And he was generous and talked to me for over an hour about reconciling the NDE, what happened when I died with mortal sin on my soul. And he talked a lot about bringing that together so I've got mascara all over my face <laughs> from crying. And that really helped a lot because he's a priest. And so he really helped me to bring the two together. And the fact that I did die, uh, I called out to God for help. And in his mercy, he helped me. He didn't throw me in hell. He helped me in his mercy. And I really think that God's not going to abandon us if we ask him for help. Yeah. My impression is, after talking to so many people, is that there isn't any judgment. Judgment is something that we impose upon ourselves. Right. Yeah. And, and the fact that he's an all-loving God and compassionate and mercy, but then you make a mistake and he throws you in hell before you can go to confession and confess it. That has never sat well with me as a Catholic. But what does sit well with me, what does make sense, is the life reviews, where you get to sit through. I did not, if I had one, I don't remember it. But from what the other near-death experiencers are saying, that when they went through their life review, it was more or less about how you can learn from how you treated other people and reacted to other people, good or bad. You can see how the bad affected them and how the good affected them. To me, that makes sense. That seems like a fair God. It does speak to the reason why we come here as well. When you think about it, everything that you do has an impact one way or the other, and that forms part of your learning experience. And so those decisions that we make, they're really on us. We have that free will. And then we get to see how that impacts and we can assess for ourselves whether that was something that made us better or something that didn't make us better. Exactly, exactly, Rod. And one of the things about the Catholic Church is I can go to one priest and ask one question and get an answer, go to another priest 
another parish asked the same question and get a different answer. Father Nathan Castle helped me quite a bit. I can still attend Mass. I can still be Catholic. I can still embrace my near-death experience and share it with other people and not be against the Catholic Church for doing that. Father Spitzer has many videos on near-death experiences and believes in them. So that was also essential for me to hear that. Not that I doubted what I went through. I've never doubted that. I just wanted some way to reconcile my faith with my NDE, which is never talked about in the Catholic Church. So I'm curious about the two beings that you encountered during your NDE. Do you have any idea who they might have been? No. I mean, they they seemed to be there to help me to answer my questions. I wasn't very curious on the other side that I remember. I was just so overwhelmed by the experience. I've often thought, God, if you give me another NDE, I have a list of questions because I didn't really ask them anything. They felt very welcoming, very loving, just two people there that were helping me while I was there and relaying the message that I had a choice. I often wondered if one was my guardian angel. I hope so, but I don't know, you know who they were exactly. No family members, like some people have said, or people that they knew that passed away. None of that for me. Did they feel familiar at all? Like you'd, like you'd known them from before? No, I wouldn't even say they seemed familiar to me. I think I just felt that they didn't judge me. They were there to help me and to answer any questions. I, I didn't feel like they were a stranger, though. That that's is something I can add. They didn't feel like a stranger. Since you've had your NDE, I'm not sure if you encountered any sort of what you would call paranormal phenomena or any sort of psychic abilities before then. Have you had anything change for you in that regard since your NDE? So before the NDE, I had a very high intuition and I kind of shut it down once I became an adult. I had a visitation when I was 16 years old, who I thought was the Blessed Mother. I woke up one night and at the edge of my bed was a white, looked like to be the Blessed Mother hovering over my bed. And it scared me so much that she went away. I was told by priests that that was probably the devil. Father Castle said to me, evil cannot send love. Evil cannot give love. Satan cannot produce love. So it definitely wasn't that. And then after the MDE, I had the very same visitation when I was in my 40s. I woke up, there was, no, on that one, I was like kind of closing my eyes going to sleep when I thought I saw this flash and I woke up and there was the Blessed Mother hovering above my bed again. And I kind of set up, because it startled me, but I didn't say anything. Like, Christine, open your mouth and say something. <laughs> and, uh, and she hovered for a little bit and then went away. And I was just awestruck by it. 
one other time I was my and most of my career I was a corporate insurance sales professional and I was traveling from Indianapolis to Iowa to meet with a group of insurance agents and I was driving and my foot got caught up underneath the brake and I had the car on cruise and I was following a semi truck and it was on one of those two lane highways and there was another truck coming and the truck in front of me started slowing down and I couldn't get my foot unstuck. And I cried out, guardian angel, help me. And all I could envision was going up underneath this semi truck. And so the next thing Rod, I knew I woke up and I was on the side of the road, car turned off, shaking like a leaf. I have no idea how that happened. So I really felt like my guardian angel saved me and did that. But after the NDE, the one thing that I was more conscious of than ever is not judging people and uh, try not to judge people. And when you get back into the world, oh my gosh, you can easily fall back into that trap again of, especially if you watch the news, Lord have mercy. So I was always trying to be conscious of not judging other people, which is why I got involved in Rachel's Vineyard, which is a Catholic retreat that helps women regret their choice of abortion to help women like me who still carry that hole around in them. And we help women with that. So that was one thing that happened. The other thing that happened is my prayer life got more intense and I started a devotion for the holy souls in purgatory. So I pray for all of the souls in purgatory that don't have anyone to pray for them. And then I pray for the people that I know that have passed my relatives and people will send me their relatives' names for me to pray for them too. And you just mentioned a little bit about what you're up to now, Christina. If anybody wanted to get in touch with you to ask you questions, is it something that you're open to? Oh, sure, sure. They can email me at eternallifeplan at gmail.com. And I have a Facebook page, and I also have a YouTube channel, the same thing. Or you can just Google or just search on YouTube for Christine Harrington. But I have two YouTube channels. One's my business, which is Savvy Sales Lady. I'm a sales coach in real life, (laughs) sales coach and trainer. And then I have my Eternal Life Plan channel as well. Christina, I want to thank you so much for coming onto the channel and sharing your story. I know it's a difficult one to relate and it brings up a lot of other emotions. So I think you're very, very brave for doing that. I really appreciate you taking the time to come onto the channel. Do you have any other message that you want to leave people with before we finish? I do. Thank you for asking, Ron, and I really appreciate being on your channel. I really do. I've enjoyed your videos as I've been watching them, so I appreciate you having me on. I really believe that God wants me to tell everyone, don't fear death. Do not fear death. The other side is so much easier 
so much beautiful, so much full of love, no judgment. Oh, it's just wonderful on the other side. So do not fear death at all. Oh, thank you very much for that message, Christina. And I'm sure that all of the viewers will enjoy this a great deal. I certainly have. And maybe we'll have you back for a chat on the live stream at some point in the future. But in the meantime, I wish you the best. And thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you, Rod. God bless.